Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be looking at the 1977 film, The Rescuers. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy this episode. Do you think I should have said, so grab the... uh, De- uh, devil diamond and <laughs> sit back and enjoy this episode grab um, the devil's body you diamond yeah which i have something to say about that i don't know if i actually put it in my notes so maybe when we get to the end we'll talk about it but i have an interesting thing that i that i think about this movie that i didn't find any truth to at all but the rescuers is a 1977 american animated adventure comedy drama film produced by walt disney productions and released by buena vista distributions the it is the 23rd disney animated feature film the story follows bernard and bianca two members of the rescue aid society an international mouse organization dedicated to helping abduction victims around the world the two mice must free a young orphan penny from two treasure hunters who intend to use her to help attain a giant diamond. The film is based on the book series by Marjorie Sharp, most notably The Rescuers, 1959, and Miss Bianca, 1962. The Rescuers entered development in 1962, but was shelved due to Walt Disney's dislike of the project's political overtones. During the 19... Which, I don't know what, I guess, like... Don't abuse children. <laughs> I don't know what the political overtones of it were. Was it too diverse? Because we had a lot of international mice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't understand. I, I Maybe don't know that's if, it. We're in this post-Walt oh. era. I haven't gotten a single uh, content warning when, when starting it up on Disney+. Plus. So I don't yeah. know. Um, but during the 1970s, the film was revived as a project for the younger animated animators It was to be taken over by the senior animation staff following the release of Robin Hood in 1973. It was the first animation for the new generation of Disney animators. This is also the first full-length animated motion picture to be released in Dobley Stereo. The Rescuers was released on June 22, 1977 to positive critical reception and became a box office success. The film was also successful throughout the world, including France and West Germany, outperforming star wars yeah hey you know star wars was a big movie and this did better than it in most countries which west germany like um (laughs) due to the film's success a sequel the rescuers down under was released in 1990 which made this the first disney animated film to have a sequel although i would argue the three caballeros saludos amigos i mean they were filmed together though so i don't even know if i would call that because you know they just yeah. kind of were put out yeah. one after another, but, like, they th- were filmed simultaneously, and the, it's really just that they used extra footage that they had, right? Yeah. So it's not... I think it's a loose sequel, though, at least. I, don't I know. would say this is fully the official oh. one with the first official, like, sequel, definitely. Agreed. And I have a fun fact here. Originally, The Rescuers Down Under was being developed as a television series in 1989. However, when it was greenlit as a film, the TV series was redeveloped into Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers... You know what good Chippendale Rescue Rangers is A plus plus. I just, I just thought it was interesting that that was going to be the TV show, and then it got they were like no 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 we should make it a movie instead, and then the people that were working it's on it as a TV show yeah, yeah became Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's it's interesting. Uh, the budget for the film was seven point five million or thirty six point seven million today, 
and the box office was 169 million or 827.7 million today. On June 19, 1977, The Rescuers premiered at the AFI Silver Theater in Washington, D.C. During the film's initial theatrical run, the film was released as a double feature with the live-action nature documentary A Tale of Two Critters. On December 16, 1983, The Rescuers was re-released to theaters, accompanied with a new Mickey Mouse featurette, Mickey's Christmas Carol, which marked the character's first theatrical appearance after a 30-year absence. In anticipation of its upcoming theatrically released sequel in 1990, The Rescuers Down Under, The Rescuers saw another successful theatrical run on March 17, 1989. The Rescuers premiered on VHS and Laserdisc on September 18, 1992, as part of the Walt Disney Classic Series. The release went into moratorium on April 30th, 1993. Do, do, do. <laughs> a very interesting thing coming up here. Um, it was released on VHS as part of Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection on January 5th, 1999, but was recalled three days later and reissued on March 23rd, 1999. On January 8th, 1999, three days after the film's uh, second release on home video, the Walt Disney Company announced a recall on about 3.4 million copies of the videotapes because there was an objectionable, an, an objectionable image in one of the film's backgrounds. The image in question is a blurry image of a topless woman with breasts and nipples show, showing. The image appears twice in non-consecutive frames during the scene in which Miss Bianca and Bernard are flying on Orville, Orville's back throughout New York City. The two images cannot be seen in ordinary viewing because the film runs too fast at 24 frames per second. Wow, that's wild. Also, January 8th is my birthday, so yeah. <laughs> scandalous uh, activity happening. <laughs> yeah. On January 10th, 1999, two days after the recall was announced, the London newspaper, The Independent, reported, a Disney spokeswoman said that the images in The Rescuers were placed in the film during post-production, but she declined to say what they were or who placed them. The company said the aim of the recall was to, to keep its promise to families that they can trust and rely on the Disney brand to, prov to provide the best in family entertainment. The Rescuers home video was reissued on March 23, 1999, with the inappropriate nudity edited and blocked out. I want to know if anybody has a tape with those <laughs> images in them. I yeah. just want to know. Yeah, put it up on YouTube. I gotta know, man. <laughs> yeah. Someone definitely has. It, that's, Someone somewhere. I bet you if we went to eBay, that would be on there for a million dollars or right. something. Want um, this to VHS for $300? No, yeah. I'm not that desperate. It, we're, we're, we're getting close to the Disney Renaissance where uh, there's a lot of nudity on different things. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll address those issues as they come up, but... Uh, the Rescuers was, was released on DVD on May 20th, 2003, as a, a standard edition, which was discontinued in November 2011. On August 21st, 2012, a 35th anniversary of The Rescuers was released on Blu-ray, alongside its sequel in a two-movie collection. Directed by Wolfgang Reitherman, who also produced the film, John Lounsbury and Art Stevens, Story by Larry Clemens, Vance Gary, Ken Anderson, Frank Thomas, Bernie Matheson, Fred Lucky, Dick Sebast, David Meichner, and Ted 
Berman. Edited by Jim Coford and James Melted. Music by Artie Butler. Production company is Walt Disney Productions. Distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. The runtime is 77 minutes. Starring Bob Newhart as Bernard with Glenn Keane as the singing voice of Bernard. Ava Gabor as Miss Bianca with Roby Lester as the singing voice of Bianca. Geraldine Page as Madame Medusa. Michelle Stacy as Penny. Joe Flynn as Mr. Snoops. Jim Jordan as Orville. John McIntyre as Rufus. Jeanette Nolan as Ellie Mae. And Pat Buttram as Luke. The film begins in an abandoned riverboat in the Devil's Bayou, where an orphaned girl named Penny drops a message in a bottle containing a plea for help into the river. The bottle is carried out to sea and washes up in New York City and arrives at a pier where the mice discover it. And I have a, note, I have a couple notes here. The first one saying the animation for the Devil's uh, Bayou opening scene is nothing like what we've seen out of Disney before. Penny is drawn much more like a Don Bluth character than... Uh, a classic Disney human, and I looked up afterward and found out that Bluth was the directing animator for the film, so Penny probably actually was a Don Bluth design. Probably. <laughs> and it's also, like, this dives right in, too. Like, we kind of get more story before we even get, like, credit opening credits. Yeah. We get a little bit of her more so. And that's, again, much more Bluthy in design than Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of... Ch- and I also wrote down that the uh, background coloring... It's a mix of red, blue, purple, and yellow, and it's beautiful and creates the effect uh, that it's going for a hot Louisiana swampy sunset. Well, I even said this earlier that the blending of colors gave me very bluthy vibes as well throughout yes. the movie. Like, this is a very, it's not that it's just darker in color, like, the colors are blended much more differently than we've seen in previous movies. Yeah, you can definitely see Don Bluth's influence on this film. Uh, in comparison to previous Disney things. Although, like, you talk about that, like, red, blue, purple. Like, you can see that blending almost in, like, Land Before Time. Agreed. An American yeah. Tale, like... Which, if you don't know who Don Bluth is, look him up. He's a fascinating character. We and, will get there. Yeah, we'll eventually be discussing him and his films somewhere down I'm the road. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say when in the coming things, too, because Fox and the Hound is coming, and that's... Yeah, yeah. that's also... That's he's the turning involved point. In that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have the this... drama is coming, folks. Yeah. We're we're in the sad Disney era, <laughs> uh, not just in the films, but in real life Disney. We're at the sad Disney part. Um, so we have the song here, "The Journey," also known as "Who Will Rescue Me," and it is sung by Shelby Flint. And I wrote that there's not much to the song, but it's well sung and it sets the mood for the opening of the film. I gave it a six out of ten. I like the song a lot better than I've liked previous opening songs for a lot of things. Mm. And I also gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay. The following morning at the United Nations headquarters, the message is delivered to the Rescue Aid Society, the mouse version of the United Nations. The paper is soaked from the water that got in the bottle during its journey, but they are able to find out who sent the letter and where it was supposed to go. And I have two notes here. The first one saying the founder of the Rescue Mm. Aid Society... Oh boy, is Euripides Mouse, a.k.a. the mouse from The Mouse and the Lion Tale. And I I thought that was cute to have that in there. And then we have the song The Rescue Aid Society, sung by Bernard Fox, Glenn Keane, Robbie Lester, as well as the Disney Studio Chorus. And it's cute animation, but nothing really to the song. 
but I wrote that it's different from most Disney classics, and I gave it a 5 out of 10. I feel some nostalgia for this song, so I gave it a 7 out of 10. I love this song. I will sing this randomly, even when I haven't just recently watched this. So. Uh, Alright. I love it. Do you want to be a member of the Rescue Aid Society? R-E-S-C-U-E, Rescue Aid Society. <laughs> The Hungarian representative, Miss Bianca, volunteers to accept the case and chooses the janitor, Bernard, as her co-agent. That night, it starts to rain as Bernard and Miss Bianca get off the bus and walk on the sidewalk to hide under the post box. I have to say, I love that every man is like, ooh, Miss Bianca is here (laughs) when she walks in singing. They all want to volunteer to help her. They're like damn miss bianca yeah we gotta help her she's got it going on yeah um she is the it girl (laughs) i just love their little outfits in the rain like i it's so cute yeah and it's funny too because there's parts of this movie that i was like oh so it's a world where anthropomorphic animals and humans interact with each other but then the end of this film is like nope that's not it at all um but (laughs) just penny (laughs) yeah after locating where they need to go that was written on penny's message They attempt a shortcut through the zoo, only for Bernard to be scared off by the lions and suggest that they take the long way as he originally intended. The two visit Morningside Orphanage, where Penny lived, and meet an old cat named Rufus. He tells them that last time that he saw Penny was Adoption Day at the orphanage, and unlike several kids, she wasn't adopted by a couple. So I have two notes here. The first one saying, I love that Rufus wears glasses and a scarf. It separates him from the other Disney cats we've seen in the past. I forgot about Rufus, too. And I was like, oh, Rufus, I love you, Rufus. You're like the cutest, oldest little cat ever in Disney. Rufus is up there for best cat. Yeah. And then my second note here is also this is a world where humans and uh, animals can communicate with each other. Awesome. I want to live in this world. Nope, not that, not that type of work at all. Agreed. Just, just yeah. Penny. Also, um, I want to say, I feel like I always say the best cat, all cats are best cats. Yeah. Disney cats are all best cats. Yeah, the last cat you see is the best cat. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus uh, is currently best cat. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, would, I would probably have to say of the cats that we've seen so far, Figaro's the cutest, Thomas O'Malley is the coolest, and then... Probably Rufus is the one that I would want to have because it's just like he wears a scarf and glasses. <laughs> right? Like that's awesome. People come over and be like, "Your cat wears glasses." Like, right? And... Hades would be like, "Yeah, no, exactly." Pumpkin will probably look at you like, "What oh. are you trying to do to me?" Pumpkin won't even wear a collar. Oh, Hades uh, won't wear a collar. <laughs> yeah. So um, Penny thought that she was never going to be adopted, but Rufus assured her that she will. She just needs to have faith. Penny thanked Rufus, and they went to supper. The next thing Rufus knew. Penny was gone, and he made the assumption that she ran away. So I wrote down here with a question mark song, Faith is a Bluebird. And even in like the listing for the official songs for this, it says, Although not an actual song, it is a poem recited by Rufus and partially by Penny in a flashback. The old cat has when he uh, last saw the small orphan girl and comforted her through the poem about having faith. The titular bluebird that appears in the sequence originally appeared in Alice in Wonderland. There's another callback later in the film that I, I was will like, have oh. you know, I did not write it down as a song. Okay, yeah. I, I, it was a poem, it's not. but yeah, yeah. It's a poem, yeah. Sadly, though, the police gave up on the case because they had no leads. Rufus tells the mice a wicked woman named Madame Medusa tried to lure Penny into her car and may have abducted Penny this time. 
He tells them that he knows that the Madame owns a pawn shop down the street. The mice travel to Medusa's pawn shop, where they discover that she and her partner, Mr. Snoops, are on a quest to find the world's largest diamond, the Devil's Eye. Madame, and I have a note here that I wrote saying, Madame Medusa is a ginger Cruella de Vil, in my opinion. She has those crazy eyes. Yeah, it's definitely very similar, like, styling. Like, they definitely change the shape of her a little bit, but beyond that, like, it could be the same character. That's something that I think I I, I brought up earlier. I, I think this is this is headcanon. I think that Madame Medusa is a descendant of Cruella de Vil. After, you know, because Cruella doesn't go... Um, does she go to prison at the end of 100? I don't think I don't she does. I think she does. No. So it's just like she could have had a kid and eventually it led to Madame Medusa because she's also looking for the devil's eye, which I was like, oh, Deville's eye. It could have been a diamond that Cruella Deville had. Like she thought that she was entitled to it or something. You know what I mean? It was just, it's just headcanon. It doesn't actually work with mm-hmm. the film because it was pirates that had the devil's eye and everything. But that that that's my headcanon for the films. And if I ever, you know, write a Once Upon a Time sequel series... Madame Medusa is going to be a descendant of Cruella Deville because everyone has to be related on some level. Um, after failing to ride uh, with Medusa as she heads uh, for the airport to catch the next flight to the Devil's Bayou, Bernard and Bianca head to Pan Am Tower with the intent of being to fly Albatross Air Service to the Devil's Bayou with the help of an Albatross named Orville. And I wrote that Orville is a great side character and I need him to show up in more Disney things. I just love the idea that there's an albatross air system. Like, and yeah. then they put the little like box on the tin and they fly. And it's at the airport too. <laughs> yeah, like it's so just funny. Yeah. Um, and we have the song Tomorrow is Another Day sung by Shelby Flint. And it is very different from what Disney films uh, before it did with maybe the exception of Robin Hood because that had some sort of, you know, modernish types of songs in it and it could be a song on the radio and i gave it a seven out of ten it was like a romance song beautiful like mm. i gave it a six out of ten okay now the summary here kind of skips ahead a little bit but a dragonfly named even rude aids the mice in following medusa and mr snoops to the bayou there they learn that penny was captured and made to enter a hole that leads down into a pirate's cave where the devil's eye is located and I have two notes here. The first one says Medusa has a water car, a water car, as I'm calling it, and she reminds me even more of Cruella because oh, yeah, of this. She drives around like a mad woman. Yeah, and even Rude is the cutest dragonfly ever. He is. I love him. Yeah. Thank- or even Rude and Orville. Yes, Please. agreed. They could be a, a buddy duo. Yeah. What's yeah. the Orville and even Rude shorts? Give Ex- them to me. Exactly. Thanks to Miss Bianca's perfume, the mice attract the attention of Medusa's pet crocodiles, Brutus and uh, Nero. Bernard and and Miss Bianca escape and find Penny. And here we have two songs, the first one being Rescue Aid Society Reprisal, and it's sung by a chorus as background noise to inspire uh, Bianca and Bernard to double their efforts. I gave it a 5 out of 10. And then the second song is Someone's Waiting for You, sung by Shelby Flint. And I wrote... God damn it, we've entered sad Disney territory. The song is played while a crying penny is watching uh, animals take care of their children. Good song and strong emotions, 8 out of 10. Yeah, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Well, it's not my favorite. It is very, like, strong. And you're right, sad Disney era. Yeah. A fun fact about this scene, the two deer that we see are supposed to be Bambi and his mother. 
weird. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, that's I, there's Disney callbacks previously, and now there's another Disney callback here. And the original version of this song was titled The Need to Be Loved and had different lyrics. It was also sung by Jennifer Paz and Paul Francis Webster. I just included that as a little trivia for it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. The following morning, Medusa and Mr. Snoops send Penny down into the cave to find the gem, unaware that Miss Bianca and Bernard are hiding in her skirt pocket. The three soon find the stone within a pirate skull. As Penny pries open the mouth with a sword, the mice push it out from within. But soon, the oceanic tide rises and floods the cave. Miss Bianca, Penny, and Bernard barely manage to retrieve the diamond and escape. And I have a big bold note here um, <laughs> because I thought it was important. The summary completely cut out Evan Rude's storyline. So I just want to say that he is the true hero of the story. He risked his life against bloodthirsty bats to get back and rally Ellie Mae and company to rescue Penny, Bianca, and Bernard. Like, literally, if he didn't do that, they'd be screwed. Yeah. So, yeah. Real hero. Agreed. Not even part of the Rescue Aid Society. No. He, he, he just did this to help well, this poor little girl. Well, now he pretty much is, yeah. but you know. Yeah, that, true. The greedy Medusa steals the diamond for herself and hides it in Penny's teddy bear, planning to flee with it and abandon Penny and Snoops in the bayou. I love how she and Snoops are arguing, too. And she's like, hey, I get half of that. And I'm like, why yeah. did you think this woman was ever going to, like, give you any of this, you no. dumb man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, He's also, I, I mentioned to you off our recording, you could clearly see Don Bluth's influence on Snoops, too, because he's round and bouncy and everything. Like also a bouncy character. Yeah, yeah, very Don Bluthy. Bouncy, trancy, bouncy. When Medusa trips over a cable set by Bernard and Bianca while she's holding Penny and Snoops at gunpoint, Medusa loses the teddy bear to Penny, who runs away with it. Medusa retaliates with gunfire, <clears throat> causing the mice to flee until they are met by Brutus and Nero, her crocodiles. Bernard and Miss Bianca trick them into entering a cage-like elevator, trapping them. Two of the swamp critters Bernard and Bianca befriended set off Snoop's fireworks, making the boat sink and freeing Brutus and Nero. Penny and the gang commandeer Medusa's swampmobile. Medusa pursues them on Brutus and Nero, viciously whipping the two crocodiles as she does so, but crashes and is left clinging to the boat's smokestacks with the angered Brutus and Nero attacking below just another example of crocodiles winning it's yeah. like watching peter pan yeah crocodiles they're, always winning the, they're just... they're the descendants of uh tiktok the crocodile right <laughs> um, which it, it was interesting like they're very intelligent crocodiles they know their names they yeah like they follow directions and stuff like they're very they're also smart. like they know what they need to do before it even happens they're like oh she's sneaking off we're they, gonna get called to go get her they can yeah. pl- they can play an organ yeah. <laughs> like they're very talented crocodiles Back in New York, the Rescue Aid Society watches TV to hear that the Devil's Eye has been given to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., and Penny is adopted by a new father and mother, while it is implied that Medusa and Snoops have been arrested and imprisoned for kidnapping Penny. And here we have the song for Penny is a Jolly Good Fellow, sung by the orphans at the end of the film, as a variation of For He's a Jolly Good Fellow. And it's just a little ditty and not much to it. Five out of ten. It's cute. I like the thing. She's finally adopted. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, guys. Five out of ten as well. And I have a note here that I said, I also find it weird that Penny is only adopted after donating this priceless diamond, which she probably did get some cash for. At the very least, you know the parents like, look, our famous daughter that we now have. Yeah. She saved a diamond. Exactly. She's... And- 
famous. Yeah, right. Yeah. And my final note was, perhaps I was wrong, and only Penny can communicate with animals, as the TV reporter was shocked that Penny could speak with mice. Or is it just that she's a Disney princess? I don't really know, because, like, the other kids and parents, like, laugh along with her, too. Like, everybody else is laughing along with her. Like, they also can talk to animals. It's almost like a, oh, you don't know you can talk to animals? But we all know. So I don't really know. It's very odd. Listen, she can talk to animals and has dead parents. There's a strong argument that she's a Disney princess. I know. (laughs) But, you know, she just didn't fall in love with someone. That's the only thing that she... She's too young, that's why. She's a baby. Eh, She's not much younger than Snow White. (laughs) That's, you know... Bernard, <laughs> Bernard and Miss Bianca remain partners in the Rescue Aid Society missions and soon depart on Orville, accompanied by Evenrude, to a new rescue mission. And we have the song Tomorrow's Another Day, reprisal, sung by uh, Shelby Flint, and it has a fine way to end the film and best song in it, so I gave it an 8 out of 10. Oh, I did. 6 out of 10. Okay, mm. I did read it. I think it's funny because Bernard is clearly like, can we just relax and, like, yeah. hang out and date Bianca? Like, that's clearly his vibe. He's like, let's just be romantic and chill. No, We're yeah. a couple now, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when we established that, but he's like... Yeah. So we're a couple? Like, yeah. you and I? Yeah. yeah. Partner's I sa- relationship? I saved you when you were drowning before, so clearly you have to be with me now. <laughs> you have that's... to be with me. Yeah. You've chosen me. Good choice, lady. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say before I get into the overall score? Or? No, we're yeah. good. I just have the final note there saying the end, question mark, more adventures to come, question Like, we know what there are. So I wrote down that, oh, do you want me to go first? Or do you yeah, want... go ahead. Okay. Uh, so as a child, I didn't like the rescuers, but I couldn't remember why. As an adult, I now know why. It's sad. Granted, it's not tragic, so everything works out for the good characters in the end, but it has slow music and ab- an abused orphan who cries in a prominent scene, and much darker undertones to it. As previously stated, it's not tragic, so it has a happy ending, but I don't believe that was enough for me as a child. However, my opinion on this film has changed with time. I enjoyed the animation, the music, and the more realistic storyline. Yes, even with anthropomorphic animals, it has a more realistic. it is more realistic than the other Disney classics before it. There is a real sense of danger uh, for Penny throughout the movie, Even her being adopted only after coming into fame and possibly fortune leaves me wondering what will happen to this sweet, sad little girl. I know that the Disney Renaissance would not come for another decade, but this film, for me, is a shift in that direction. It is certainly different from the classics like Snow White, Pinocchio, and Peter Pan, to say the least. For all that and more, I'm giving The Rescuers a solid 8.5 out of 10. It's fascinating that, like, you bring up that it's so different from classics because we remember earlier on we said that Walt Disney didn't even want this movie, like, for political reasons. But it's like, could that have been more to that, that he just didn't like the darker undertones of what was going on here? Possibly. Because it is quite a different film, you're right. I remember being quite scared of this film because it was just darker in nature as a kid. Mm. But I loved Bianca and Bernard so much. And I love the rescuers down under a lot too. Yeah. The wizard. I forget her name is. That's I, I, the rescuers down under. I would watch a lot. Um, I only I rarely would ever watch the rescuers yeah. when it was on. Like, but I own. I think I'd have to go through my VHS collection that's here somewhere. But I have the rescuers down under yeah. somewhere on VHS. It's it's a beautiful film, and I gave it a eight out of ten. Okay. 
Uh, anything else you'd like to discuss about it, or do you think I'm cra- do you think I'm crazy for my Medusa's a uh, Cruella descendant <laughs> theory? No. Okay. Was there something else you wanted to talk about earlier that we forgot that you said you didn't have in your notes, or? No, okay. just that, that that exactly that Medusa okay. is a descendant of Cruella. Okay, I, don't, okay. I don't have it in mind, but like just her crazy eyes, mm-hmm. the way that she acts and abuses this child, and her water car, like having a motor vehicle <laughs> that she goes around on all crazy. And well, she even drives her car crazy in the earlier scene when she's like rushing out of town. Yeah, and and um, Brutus and Nero take the place of uh, Horace and Jasper. Jasper like, yep. like you know, um, she's got an extra Me? little little guy there, but you know. It all, it, it all fits for me. I, I, I think, because I, like I said, Penny really, to me, looks like a Don Bluth character. And Mr. Snoops looks like a Don Bluth character. But Medusa looks like a, a classic Disney character to me, like like Cruella. Like, she yes. looks, it, it was just, so I, I even looked, because I thought their voices were similar. I thought maybe it was the same voice actress. It's not. But I was just, I, I'm... I mean, you're right. I'm even, now that I'm thinking of Mr. Snoops, I think there is a character that looks exactly like him in one of the, like... Don Bluth movies. movies. Yeah. Probably. But with all that out of the way, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, have a wonderful day, and remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.